Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. This is Reba Ballman, and welcome to Rooted Deep. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Allison Hale, and we're so excited because this is our very first podcast. And we've been talking about this now for months and trying to figure out if this is something we should step into or not. And so now we're here and uh, we're, we're, we're sitting here doing our very first one. Um, and it's strange times as we do this very first one, Allison, because we're right in the middle of a uh, what they're calling a global pandemic. So we're right in the middle of COVID. Um, and so it's really weird times right now as we, as we record uh, this, very first, this very first video uh, uh, podcast. I think it's interesting because we talked about this months ago and we talked about collaborating on something and how it would look. And right now we have time, but it's not like Rooted Deep was started because of the global pandemic, I think it's interesting that um, we finally kind of have some some time to sit down and 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 talk about these things. But I think the topic or the the title "Rooted Deep" is just interesting because of everything going on. I mean, tornadoes all throughout Tennessee and the South, and global pandemic. You're just like "Rooted Deep" is kind of important right now, and I think it's an, an interesting um, time that we're actually talking about what the Bible says and, and how we can equip ourselves in times of stress or hurt or whatever. So absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, uh, as we, we kind of wrestle through the purpose of this podcast or why are we doing this and what do we want to accomplish while we're doing this? And, you know, as we talk through that, one of the things that just kept coming up over and over again was that we wanted whoever listened to this podcast, we wanted them to be encouraged but we also wanted them to understand what it looks like to be moving in a direction of, of, of a successful life or, you know, um, feeling like we're feeling like we are accomplishing things and feeling like um, that we're living. A, I'm going to use that word, a blessed life, you know, and what that life might look like, because I think we all struggle knowing, you know, we all struggle at times feeling like maybe we're totally missing the mark. And, you know, and what that might look, you know, what that might look like. So I know for, as we talk through this, we, we really, we strive for that. And we think other women and women around us really strive for that. And so, but what does that look like? And is there any, any guarantees to that? Um, and then that really pulled us into looking at uh, Psalms. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah go ahead. And I, I think that one of the things that um, the word that kept coming up as, as we were sharing uh, the purpose of this, of this time and this podcast and these conversations was the word season. And it's so interesting at different times in our life, we can look back and there were seasons of hurt, seasons of joy, but what was the foundational belief and peace underneath that, I think is really interesting. And when there was fruit and when there was just deep, uh, maybe deep satisfaction or deep peace. Um, and I, we kept coming around that word season and, and, and then, uh, the Psalm one just keeps going up and, um, you know, just kind of in our, in our minds. And so that was really interesting. Um, and, and again, looking at the time in this particular season, it's just really interesting that we're talking about this today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when you think about the book of Psalms, you know, maybe if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I'm not really familiar with the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is kind of a combination of a prayer book and a song book. You know, it, it's, it's over and over again. It's these prayers, most of them that were eventually put to, to, put to some sort of musical tune, many of them that were sang. Um, and so you open up this song book, you open up this prayer book, and the first one you come to is this guide, really. It's not, much, it's not so much of a song, and it's not so much of a prayer, but it's more of a, okay, let me get you set to go into this because, I mean, you know, the book of Psalms, I mean, is, is pretty, I mean, it talks about tragedy and grief and, uh, I mean, heartache. and There's I mean, anger. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all over the place emotionally. But when you start it off, you get this first one and it says, okay, let me look, let's look at what it looks like to have your life rooted deeply in the right things so that whatever you face and whatever you go through and whatever comes your way, you can um you can be successful or you know even the psalmist uses this word like success and prosperity and i think it'll be important for us to define that as we move through because what it is and not talking about you know but um but as we look at that what does it look like to have a life that's truly rooted deep so that you you can withstand life right yeah when you're when you're going through psalm it's interesting because there are so many psalms that are very um, heavy with praise and joy and rejoicing and thanksgiving. And we use them in different, in different holidays. But then there are other Psalms that when you read them, you're like, man, they were going through some, um, some anger, some questioning. Um, and, and then there are other Psalms that are just uh, like 51 who just forgive me, just, you know, plaintive um, asking for forgiveness. And so I think this, I think Psalm one is such an interesting start to like, here's the guide. And it all depends on the word of God. It all depends on, um, on, on how you love and how you delight. And because that's what's really going to root you. And I think we all have these, like you said, it's so much emotion in the Psalm and we go through this, you know, um, at different times and our mood trackers and everything. And, uh, it's interesting because the foundation um, as it says in Psalm 1, his delight is in the word of the Lord, in the law of the Lord, and meditating on that and, and just really just kind of digging deep in, in, that, in his word. And so that's kind of where we're hoping to go. Yeah, absolutely. Because it gives this visual image, which I just love these because they really help me to be able to see it because I'm one of those people that need to kind of see it. And so it gives this illustration of a tree. And it says, so this is what you look like if you have this life that's prosperous and successful and, and so forth, it's like a tree that's rooted deeply by water. So the roots are running themselves into a constant source mm-hmm. of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even when the wind blows and when, you know, things get hard, even when dryness comes, um, there, these roots are reaching into this sustained pool of water. Mm-hmm. And so the tree is being sustained. And so there's two characteristics it gives, which are really powerful. One, it says it, leaf, it the leaf of the tree never withers uh, or it, it's always green. Yeah. And um, like there's life. Yeah. So there's always life. There's always sustainability. There's always life. And I don't know. I mean, I think we can, we'll probably talk about this and guests that we have on here. will talk about this, but we, we both know what it looks like to just feel like that's all you got hanging on to right this moment. I mean, you're breathing and that's about it. I right? got my air. I got <laughs> yeah. my air. Yeah. And so I think there are days when, you know what, um, we, we may not feel very successful, 
but we're alive and we're breathing air and that's a good place to be today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes beyond that and it says, and you use that, that term seasons, and it says that then in, that se- in the seasons mm-hmm. of that tree's life, it'll bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And it uses that illustration of us. So, you know, where are we rooted so that we're sustained, you know, and we're evergreen. And then during these seasons of our life, we're going to just bear this fruit in our life. And obviously the implication is if we bear fruit in seasons, then there's seasons that we're not bearing fruit. Right. Yeah. There's right. Yeah. And I think there's some, there's something to be said about prosper and success. It's not a continual linear. Um, it's, it's constantly bearing fruit, constantly working constantly. And I think people, a lot of women, especially look around and they're not producing and, right. yeah, and, and they're so stressed about that. And I, you know, and, and, but looking at and kind of sitting back and thinking about this tree and thinking about seasons, there's always life. There's always sustained, um, sustained life, like you said, but then there are times when there's, there's going to be fruit. And there are times when the roots just need to get strong because a storm's coming. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think I love, we love someone. Yeah, we really do. And I think it's a powerful thing. And I think what you said is so powerful too. And it's a great reminder because we don't talk about this a lot but that you're not always bearing fruit and you're not a failure. If your if your life is not overflowing all the time, there is this seasonal thing, you know, Ecclesiastes says to everything, there's a time and a purpose under heaven. There is a season for it all. And so I think as we walk through this podcast, one of the things that people can expect to see from us is some real, I mean, some realness here. I mean, we're really going to talk about the fact that we're not, it doesn't always look like, you know, all the fruit. <laughs> right. It doesn't always look like that, you know. And there's times in all of our lives when, man, it's just, you know, we're barely hanging on. At least that's the way we feel. But understanding that um, as we dig into the truth of what's happening in Psalm 1, there is this sustainability. And we know the psalmist is speaking that that sustainability is anchoring our hearts and truths in the Word of God um, and allowing the Word of God to sustain us during that time, because it's the supernatural source in our Mm -hmm. life that changes things from our natural ability to God's supernatural ability. And I, yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's something else to seasons that I think is interesting because women tend to compare their seasons and their productivity and prosperity Mm -hmm. to other um, other seasons in other women's lives. And you, you tend to compare or say, okay, she's being fruitful. Why am I not being fruitful? And that, and so we need to, we're definitely going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about that with different women and different guests on, on our show that certain times they were just, I mean, their, their, their place in, in that season was just to really sit and be rooted in his peace and not just this constant production and constant you know, fruit bearing, you know, and comparing, I think that the, the enemy sometimes just really attacks us with those things. And so we're going to oh, hopefully absolutely. talk over the, these, these tools, um, which is the word of God, like you said, that the power in that to be kind of just yeah. sustained. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I know that we'll speak on this more, but I think maybe even in this first podcast, it's important for us to help people understand that you know, when I, when I dug down a little deep and I'm not a Greek scholar or a Hebrew scholar or, you know, an Aramaic scholar by any, any measure. But when I look up these words about that, you know, then you're, you're, if you do this, then your life is going to be successful or then your life is going to be prosperous. When I look these words up, that word prosperous has the idea of just being able to go, it's pressing on and being, and, and it's almost like, you know, um, putting one foot in front of the other. It's that concept. 
and um, and the word success it has it it has a kinship to that word as well, mm-hmm. and it's 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 actually being skillful and being able to do what we do. So there's this combination mm-hmm. of we just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and as we do that, we're given this ability to be to be supernaturally skillful in mm-hmm. our words and our deeds at what we do, so that what we do right um, yeah. brings this fruit in its season and it keeps the sustainability all the time in our life and we watch god do his work through us which i think is so powerful because what we're not talking about is you're going to be rich you're going to live in a big house Mm -hmm. you're going to have a you know because wealth and riches is so defined differently even in all parts of the world (laughs) right exactly yeah and i think the word prosper when you think so many times that we do need a redefinition i'm glad you mentioned that of the word prosper because sometimes it is and many times it's just like you said moving forward not not going back not giving up Mm -hmm. um my uh right now just thinking about um the Eagles with, uh, with my, uh, my alma mater and, and their, their difficulty with, with the tornado. And they keep sending out this, this, this Bible verse that they shall mount up with wings as evil. They shall not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And sometimes just walking and not fainting. I mean, that's prosperity right there. That's just moving forward and understanding that eventually, um, hit the the fruits coming, but it's not going to be anything that we did. It's all in based on what, what he's done. So yeah, because that illustration that you just gave Allison's, uh, school, uh, where she actually, uh, went to school and where she actually worked for a time. Um, they just got hit by an F3 tornado and wiped out almost all of their facilities, uh, really bad in, in a really bad way. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. How in the world can you how in the world can you keep moving, you know, moving forward right now? It seems like everything is wiped out. Mm-hmm. But even in those moments, I think that's where we're really going to lean into mm-hmm. is that we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to figure it out, to push through it, to have, you know, we can't just look in the mirror every day and go, come on, girl, you got this. And we got this. I mean, there, yeah. you know, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. There are days when, you know, we've got to have something supernatural. We've got to, God, we just need the supernatural ability of God to, some days just to get us through and other days to keep us skillful, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not of us, it's of him. So I think such a great point um, as we look into this, that no matter where you're at in your life, how bad it is or how good it is at the moment, we all need this sustainability and we all need uh, this direction of God as he gives us through his word so that we have that ability to keep moving forward and doing it well. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, what, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm yeah. And that's what Rooted Deep is all about. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. So, you know, we're going to, here's where we're going to go next, because this is our first podcast. And some of you, you may know us and that's why you're listening. Uh, our mothers are probably listening. So, you know, uh, they know <laughs> Hi, us. Mom. Uh, yeah, really. But, um, but outside of that, there's a lot of people who may not know at all who we are. And so we thought in this first podcast, uh, we have a lot in common, and yet we have a lot that we're incredibly different on. And uh, but we've been friends for a number of years now, and so we're really excited to uh, maybe just take a few minutes, and we're just going to have fun and kind of interview each other, talk a little bit. We're going to act like we don't know each other. Yeah, we're just going to have fun for a minute and uh, just kind of share a little bit about who we are with you. Um, we won't probably do this much again, but at least in this first podcast, so that you kind of know who in the world am I listening to? Are who are these women? And uh, why are they doing a podcast? So, um, so maybe we can, uh, we'll just kind of jump into that. Uh, are you ready, Allison? Absolutely.
Um, you have a very interesting life. And you have a broad spectrum of things that you're really good at, which I'm really jealous about. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but um, you started out as a missionary's kid, right? Yeah, uh, my parents, well, I was a preacher's kid first. Um, okay. My parents, we were, uh, my dad was a pastor in a, a church in Friendsville, Tennessee. And then that's when we became um, missionaries. I was about 10 when we okay. became missionaries. So yeah. All right. So, and where, where did your parents go as missionaries? Well, we first started, um, just, we did language school. So we went, uh, first to Mexico for a year, just for language school. We needed to learn Spanish and my parents learned Spanish and I just learned Spanish in the streets. But our, our, our goal was always <laughs> to be not in the street streets, but, you know, just hanging out with the neighbor kids and yeah, things. And, um, and then, uh, our, but our end goal was always to be in the Dominican Republic. And so that's okay. when, that's when we, um, that's where we had, but we, but we were when I was growing up. Okay. So you yeah. kind of grew up and spent some of your growing up life in the Dominican Republic. All the teenage years, which is really just not fun for the parents to be taking. <laughs> My brother and I were both teenagers by the time we got to the Dominican. And, uh, so that's just not a good, um, it was fun, I guess, for us, not so much fun for the parents, you know, with the, with the teenagers and, the transition. Sure. And of course, way back then, there's no internet. There's just sma uh, snail mail. And um, so we were just, uh, we were, and our family became very close because for a while there, we were all we had. We were the yeah. only, felt like we were the only Americans in that city. Um, but it was just an interesting way to, way to grow up all those um, in, uh, crazy teenage years. Yeah. So was it really a huge transition for you personally as you left the United States and went into a Spanish speaking country and your whole culture was different? Was that huge for you or did you just love it or did you hate it? I loved I loved Mexico um, because we were we became just really close with a with a group of friends. When we got to the Dominican, um, it was a different culture because we were actually living in the Dominican Republic. But the, the majority of the people that we were serving were Haitian. And so I didn't know which culture to try to get um, to try to connect with. It was really hard. I'm already third culture. I'm an American living in the Dominican Republic, but then also ministering um, to another culture. So there was a little bit of confusion as to which um you know, I would go to school with Dominican kids, but then I would um, spend my weekends and, and uh, church and all that with, with Haitians and it's two completely different cultures. And so I think that, that was, that was a challenge for us, yeah. um, me and my brother. And then the Spanish, we had learned Spanish in Mexico, but Dominican Spanish is way different from Mexican Spanish. Okay, so we good. just, it was like a whole new, another learning, learning curve as soon as we got there. So that was just interesting at the same time. So it was just, it was, a, it was a lot. Of, and then add into, um, as a 13 year old who had spent uh, all this time with her family and friends in the States. Um, and then bam, uh, y'all of a sudden your best friends with your brother. That's all you, he's, he's all you got, you know? And so yeah. that was, uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was, um, my parents did a wonderful job just making sure that, that we knew, um, how important our family unit was. And, uh, mm. so they, they really balanced they did a good job balancing. I knew I was important to my father. I knew that I was more important than the ministry mm -hmm. um, in his eyes, which I think was really important. And that's, a, that's the reason my brother and I are still in ministry today, I feel. Yeah, because it's really interesting. Um, when did you know that you wanted to be a missionary? I mean, was that just, is that, is that a moment in your life or it was just kind of something that you just kind of knew? I, by the time I got to college, I really felt like I had, I had kind of done the missionary thing. And so I was going to kind of get on with 
get on with regular life, non-missionary life, still going to go to church. Um, but, and, uh, and so it wasn't really until, uh, I started, my mom actually got sick and I kind of had to take over for her a little bit of her ministry, you know, taking missions trips down to the Dominican and, and, um, and so it really wasn't, I was enjoying just doing missions trips, but, you know, kind of moving on with my life. And then I met a, a guy who was becoming a missionary. And so it kind of, um, back, back to the, it was back to square one, as far as mission, I'm like, here I am back in, back in being a missionary again. Um, but it was, it was because of, um, is of that relationship and, and we got married and we're missionaries. So yeah, and so and I was actually were, trying to get out, but I yeah. got back in. <laughs> so you were his translator, right? If I remember that story right, you translated for him, right? Yes, I translated. I was we I was the translator and kind of t- missions tour guide or whatever um, in the Dominican, and he came down as a fresh missionary, um, and he needed a translator, and I started translating for him. And by the end of the summer, uh, that was it. We were uh, we were together and. Wow. Um, engaged a couple months later and there you go (laughs) and there we go so now as a married couple how long you're still in the dominican republic i mean i tried to get out of the dominican republic (laughs) i tried to get out of missionary work tried to get but the the lord had other plans and i'm thankful um so far we have been here serving uh my husband and i serving in this city of san pedro dominican republic for 17 almost 17 years yes so well, and you know, we obviously we'll talk about this in a minute, but we bring lots of teams down there. And most of my team is like, Allie's Dominican. I mean, Allie's just Dominican. Um, so you've been there so long that this is just, you love it there. I mean, oh, you absolutely. really do. Absolutely. This is my, um, this is, these are, these are my people. This is my country. I lived here. Um, this was home for nine years uh, growing up and throughout high school and college. And then um and then now 17 more years with my husband. So more than half my life I've spent here in the Dominican Republic. So, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Uh, but you, you are still, I mean, even though you've lived there so long, you still have some loves uh, and huge connections back in the United States, because I know you're a huge Alabama football fan. Oh, absolutely. My family is originally from uh, my, my dad's side of the family is originally from North Alabama. And, uh, and then my mom's side is from uh, South Carolina. So the South is my home and those are my people. Um, and, but I'm a huge Alabama fan. Alabama football is, yeah. I think, um, I'm a Baptist, but then that's my maybe second religion. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, not, not quite, but, uh, I just, I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me angry. You know, I love SEC football. And, yeah. uh, so I'm a huge, huge Nick Saban fan, big, you know, yeah. Big Alabama fan, yeah, but okay. I was an Alabama fan when they were losing. So right, no, I got, you. I got you. Okay, that that's fair. And I think another uh, great thing, um, because you have such eclectic style, but so Alabama football, and then I found out that like your favorite movies are Rocky movies. <laughs> and that goes to that, yeah, that goes back to being uh, a missionary kid. Uh, that we the town that we lived in in La Romana, my brother and I, there were on there was only one video. Uh, video rental store in town. And I remember um, we, our first VCR, that our first movie that we ever rented or watched was Rocky Four on a VCR. Um, <laughs> but the That's only awesome. movies that were available to rent um, at this video store was, were Rocky movies, Rambo movies, or Charles Bronson movies. Okay. And, um, and so we, my brother and I would rent Rocky one through four and then Rambo one through three, you know, just constantly. And so that's all we watched. So 
So that's how you fell in love with Sylvester that's Stallone. How, yeah, I fell yeah. in love with Sylvester Stallone, you know, because it. he was, it was either him or Charles Bronson, really. And so <laughs> that, was, that was it. And well, and this is one of the things I think is so cool about you, because we got Alabama football girl and we got the Rocky movie girl. But then on the other side, you are an incredibly gifted artist. Um, and uh, you love art. And in fact, that was uh, kind of what you went to school. That's how you, what you got your degree in, right? That's what I started studying um, art I, I, with a commercial art. That's that was my, that was my major in college. And the problem with, with commercial art and graphic design was I was and you'll you know this because we're doing a podcast together. I cannot handle a computer. And so I studied art for two years. And then my junior year, they were they were it was going to be heavily into graphic design and into the computer lab. And that's when I that's actually when I when I left the art field because I didn't want to do anything that had to do with graphics. I love drawing. I love painting. Um, my favorite classes were figure drawing and um, just drawing life, you know, drawing still lifes. And um, so I just I love drawing mainly um, sketching and 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 charcoal and pencil those are my favorite and I still get to do that a lot um especially now that we're all kind of staying at home I'm, I'm getting the pencils out and drawing again so I'm 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 thankful for the opportunity and I love it I love drawing that's cool and like and that's where I was like okay so some people have like that one talent like okay you get to be an artist and that's wonderful because I can't even I can't even draw stick figures and people no you understand. can't yeah <laughs> no, you're, I can't and people know what they are but you also sing you also play the piano so on that artsy side, you really got loaded on that side. And I, I, that's where I'm a little jealous, I have to admit. Well, I think, I, I th especially when you're a missionary and you're kind of growing up, you kind of have to do everything <laughs> for a little bit, you know? Um, and so, and I remember this, this is back in the day when I was supposed to be, um, my parents wanted me to learn how to play the accordion because because it, we could be missionaries and we could go and if there's not uh you know and if there's no electricity you can still carry your accordion around and play and uh and I'm like there's another instrument called a guitar that would do the same thing but no it had to be the accordion and so I feel like just growing up in that you know where kind of a lot of times it really depended on whatever us four could do me and my parents and my brother and so we just kind of had to develop and so I would definitely say I'm a jack of all trades master of none but I enjoy I enjoy doing doing what I can you know that's fun that is fun <laughs> stuff well um I think it's you know uh we've been together we've been friends for a while now so um I know you love shoes um, oh, absolutely yeah 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 definitely and and not just any shoes like but <laughs> the really kind of the tall high heel um I mean, you can rock those shoes and it's kind of Dominican as well. So, uh, oh, yeah, the Dominican women love um, dressing up. They love nice shoes. And so I just kind of fit right in down you here. Just, I, you, just, you know, <laughs> there you go. That's good. And we're going to talk about here in just a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about how the two of us met and um, the actual ministry that really is your baby right now in the Dominican Republic as mm -hmm. you're working with women who are really uh, deep and dark in crisis. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute because I think that's just kind of a, a, diff a totally different side um, of what you do. Uh, but I think it's been fun. This has been fun for me to do this. And uh, hopefully the people, uh, as, as they listen to the podcast, they're going to get to know all of your craziness. But, um, but this, is, uh, this is good, the Alabama Roll Tide girl. Alabama Roll Tide Rocky girl. There, yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> There we go. Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess we'll switch places here and, and I'll let you ask me the questions now and we'll, we'll see how that rolls. 
All right, I guess it's my turn uh, to interview Reba Bowman here. And um, we did, we are going to share a little bit in, in a few minutes about how um, our ministries have come together and, and, and collaborated on different projects. Um, but I wanted to, I want you guys to understand um, how varied uh, her life has been. And I think one thing, one of the things that's really interesting about Reba is I've heard her in, in, a, in a missions conference and I've heard, I've heard you talk Reba in uh, at, a, at a missions conference at different churches. And you always have like an illustration of some job that you had. But what's so interesting is the jobs are so varied. You've done everything from, you know, taught psychology on the university level to been a trail leader out in Wyoming somewhere. And so just tell us, I, I, you've, you've, you've stared down bear. You've, you've done some really exciting, you've had some interesting jobs. And so tell us, um, after we'll go back to college, but I want to hear, you know, your jobs through college and afterwards, it's taken you a lot of places. Give us some interesting. Yeah, it's been a wild, it has been a wild ride. Truly it has been, but I think I was just one of those kids from a very early age that was always just pushing the boundaries on almost everything. <laughs> so I was always pushing, always trying to do, you know, whatever I could. If it was crazy, I wanted to try to do it. So I think there was a little bit of that in me. Um, but yeah, I, life, I, I lifeguarded through high school. So that was my job through my you know, high school years. Uh, I did a stand at McDonald's, but lifeguarding was really much cooler, <laughs> I found out. Um, so I lifeguarded through, you know, through high school and uh, then went off to college. And uh, I mean, I worked a varied jobs during, during the college time. Yeah, you know? we did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you cleaned houses, you did this, you did that, you did whatever. I refereed. Um, I was an umpire referee for women's basketball, women's volleyball. So I did all of that through all of that. Uh, learned to paint, painted, painted houses. Not uh, artistic painting like Allie, no. but like oh, no, 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 real, no, is, real work painting. Yeah, no, this is a bucket and a wall, right? <laughs> uh, one color. Let's see if we can't mess this up, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, so, you know, just doing those kind of things. Um, but then, yeah, during one of my college semesters, uh, I got this job as a horse wrangler uh, out at a camp in Colorado, actually. Mm -hmm. okay. And so it was our job every day for we were responsible for about 25 horses. And we got up every morning and we uh, saddled all those horses up and took people on uh, horseback rides through the Rockies. And it was it was a great job. I mean, it was so much fun. Oh, I can imagine. Did you have, were you the one um, that would have the harmonica and you would be slowly playing, you know, <laughs> no. kind of like you, you can hear the harmonica music in your yeah. head as no. you guys are going through these trails? Yeah, no, no, like harmonic, no, not harmonica, but I did kind of look like Annie Oakley. You know, I've got the cowboy hat. I've got the, you know, the jeans, the boots. Uh, some days I had on the chap, the chaps, you know, and nice. yeah. yeah. And then, um, and because we were going through the Rockies, which was full of bear and different, things you mountain know lions, uh, mountain yeah. lions right so we we did have to uh you know we did carry a uh, protection and uh so I did kind of look like Annie Oakley on on days as yeah, <laughs> yeah. a root a root and toot and bible toting cowgirl uh is what yeah, I like, what's what I'm thinking yeah. um but you and I have spent some time just our family our family our family growing up time with our you know our family units are very similar we our families are deeply rooted um in in the word of god and and uh so tell us a little bit about your family because you've got brothers and you just have a mom and dad that just every time i i go visit you there's always just a lot of family just connection mm -hmm. um and so i think just tell us a little bit about that yeah you know we grew up just kind of a tight crew um you know we uh you know i grew up with two brothers so i'm the oldest of three 
and then I have two uh, younger brothers, but we're, we're really kind of stair steps. So I've got a middle brother who's three years younger than me and a baby brother that's five years younger than me. So we're just kind of coming right down the line there. So yeah, there was always, uh, you know, we grew up in a neighborhood and sports. And I mean, if it was whatever was in season, it's what we were doing together. So, yeah. you know, kind of like you and your brother, you were your best friends. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, my brothers were, I mean, I just grew up doing everything with them. We were in the woods, we're on four wheelers, we're, you know, we're, we're playing basketball together, we're playing football together, you know, and so that's kind of, you know, kind of how we grew up. So we've moved apart from each other now that we're adults here and there and whatnot, but we've still stayed a, you know, we still stayed a tight crew and my mom and dad have, you know, are just really the, they're the, they're the anchors to all of that. You know? I think it's interesting when we go to, to your conferences, how involved um, your mom, dad, and brothers are in just like you, you turn around and you see a Bowman somewhere around. I think that's, yeah. I think that's really special. And, um, and, and it's very similar to the way, uh, to the way I was raised. So we have that in common. Our families mm -hmm. are just very close. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. I think that's just given us a good foundation. Um, so tell us how you got from being a root and tootin' cowgirl to a Bible toting women's speaker. And that's a long, it's a long, it's a long trail, but there we go. Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll do it quickly. Cause I think I can, <laughs> you know, so I go off to college and um, I'm going to be in education. So I'm, I'm a physical education major because I want to coach and teach. And that's my thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really excited about that, but I wanted to do it on the college level. So I didn't want to do it at high school level. So I needed a master's degree at least to go do that. So I, I decided to get my master's degree in, you know, in counseling. And um, because I knew coaches do a lot of counseling. Yes. So it just kind of made sense, you know, hey, I'll get a master's degree. And I really enjoyed and did well in those classes. So I got my master's degree in counseling, took off and became a division two women's basketball coach in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. of all places, uh, a North Carolina girl going all the way to Wisconsin. And uh, I coached for my first three years there. Um, and coached women's basketball team, coached women's volleyball team, and taught counseling and psychology courses. Okay. And that's how I got my feet wet. And uh, then I transitioned from there to Tennessee, which is where I live, still live to this day in Chattanooga, uh, to a Division One school and coached women's basketball there. And still coaching or still um, teaching in the psychology department. And it just got to where, honestly, it was just a point where I couldn't do both well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I had to choose one or the other because I realized there's no way you can coach Division One and teach the way you want to teach you just you can't do but so I shockingly to myself as well as to a lot of people who thought I would be a gym rat forever um I chose the counseling side and the teaching side over the coaching side mm -hmm. and uh that was a huge pivotal moment in my in my life I knew it's what God wanted me to do I felt real clarity about it but um but it was just something that was totally unexpected and that really that pivot changed so much in my life because uh, the university then asked me to be the Dean of Women. Mm -hmm. I became the Dean of Women for uh, a number of years. And then from there, that really birthed a burden in my heart because I was seeing all these young people who, who grew up in homes that were Christian, um, who went to church or youth group, Christian school, whatever you want to call it. And you started talking to them about their relationship with God and they could quote verses and they could tell mm -hmm. you about attending church. But when you ask them, no, tell me what your personal relationship like with God, they're looking at you like, what are you asking me? I don't get this question. And I realized there was a big disconnect. So that burden really started me down a passion for discipleship, mm -hmm. a passion for the word of God, a passion for helping people to grow personally and be and rooted not, deep. 
Yeah, to be really deep, <laughs> truly. That was a passion mm -hmm. for there. And that streamed into me really stepping out this huge step of faith in, um, and starting in around 2001, I started traveling and getting invitations to go speak at women's events and women's conferences and at teen girls events and at college events. And I, and I was like, okay, again, a choice. You can't do this and that. You got to choose. And so I stepped out in a whole lot of faith at that moment um, because I'm single. I've never been married. So I didn't have a backup income. I right, didn't have yeah. a husband at yeah. home who was a backup income for me. So that was a huge step of faith for me to step out into that and hope it worked out. And I, I mean, I worked, I worked at Talbot's as, during as many hours as I could get in when I wasn't traveling. I mean, I was a church secretary for a while. I did anything and everything I could do to, to try to stay afloat. Supplement. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was, it was growth times in my life and some of the most challenging days in my life and some of the deepest growing times in my life, because I really understood for the first time, probably what faith really meant. And, uh, you know, it was big and that was, that ended up launching what now is Dare for More Ministries. And that's what I do every day of my life now. And it's just kind of grown from there. Right. And I think it's really exciting. Um, the way, cause you, you were kind of launching out right at the same time. Um, I was launching out, you were launching out into women's ministry at the same time I was launching out into, you know, a uh, new missionary in the Dominican Republic, definitely a step of faith, you know, is not a missionary kid anymore. I'm, you know, um, so I think that's interesting, the timelines, um, uh, of, of our ministries. And so I guess we're going to talk about that, you know, and we're going to start with talking yeah. about here for more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, in fact, we can, you know, we can just talk about that right now, because I just think that's, um, you know, it's where we're at right now. And it's actually what connected us eventually and how we met eventually mm -hmm. was over two different ministries. Um, and as we look at that, so I'm over here with Dare for More, you're over here as a missionary. And, um, and why don't we just, I mean, why don't, I'm, I'm just going to ask you about that, Allison, because I think that'll be, you know, a great way to talk about this. But I mean, so you're here as a missionary, you're a pastor's wife, you're in San Pedro de Macaris, you're, you're ministering to this city. And, and then all of a sudden, there's some things that happen where you're, you and the women of your church really have eye opening, some eye opening experiences. Yeah, my, my passion at the same time that we were headed off to the Dominican um, as a young married couple, you know, just my job, I knew my job was going to be just get down there and just start discipling women. Um, and so that was, that was what we started doing. The first two women that were saved in our church, the very first Sunday when we had church, um, it was my, my husband and, uh, and I, and my parents, um, Doug and Paula, we all went down to the San Pedro as a team. And our first church service, there were two women that got saved. And, um, and then I just started discipling them. Every week I would go to their house, um, spend time in the word. And, uh, and then some, their, one of their cousins would get saved or their, their mother or their daughter. And I would just continue in discipleship. And so for the first few years of our ministry, that is, that is where my, my focus was. And, but the Lord started opening my eyes and our eyes as a collective group of women to something that was happening in, in San Pedro and in the surrounding areas. Um, the Dominican is a tropical island full of beautiful palm trees and beaches and mm. a lot of tourism. And where there's tourism, there's always going to be sexual exploitation. It happens, um, right. especially in a third world country. And um, so the women that I had discipled were coming back to me saying, do you know what's happening in our city? Do you know what's happening in our country? And so we started going out late at night and just finding, and thankfully because of that foundation of discipleship, um, it wasn't, it wasn't just what the one little American missionary running around, um, the streets of San Pedro it was an army of women 
that were rooted deep in the word of God and, mm-hmm. and had the tools that they could share with the women of the street and understanding, um, they're finding out their stories. And these women, um, were being prostituted, um, because of extreme vulnerability, they were uh, forced to, um, to have sex for money, um, to provide for their families. And, wow. uh, it was, it was heartbreaking, but at the same time, it was something that I became just very passionate about, um, here in the Dominican Republic. And that's what we're still, that's what we're doing. So these women are trying to, they're trying to put food on the table. And the only way they can find a means to do that is, is, is through prostitution. Yeah, they, um, many of them, because of, because of uh, poverty um, or abuse or neglect, they were, they were forced out into the streets early, at early ages. Um, Mm -hmm. And then teenage mothers, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're out there trying to feed their, feed their children. And they know how much food, how much money they need to, to make every night so that they can feed their children the next day. And uh, so they just need a little bit of oil and a little bit of rice. Um, which just points us back to different stories of women in the Bible who are just, just, yeah. just needed a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And, um, and so that's, that's their, that's what drives them out into the streets. And so we go and, and try to spend time with them and give them um, job, different, uh, different job opportunities and life skills. And, but always with that foundation of the word of God. Throughout. Yeah. So I was going to, so, so what, I mean, how did, how did you get started? What did that look like? Well, I, Again, going back to my artsy, uh, artsy skills, kind of had to dust those off. And um, I wanted, we started making jewelry and just made a few things and I would design some things. And then we would, we started making jewelry and we would sell the jewelry so we could make more jewelry so that by the time we could go out to the streets and say, hey, listen, we've got a job for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we can teach you how to make jewelry. We kind of had a little bit of a clientele. We had a little bit of a, a foundation. And so we kind of had built up a, a business of just making jewelry and um, teaching the women. And there's something therapeutic when a woman comes into to the workshop and just kind of, you're talking to them, but they're just stringing beads on, on wire. And, and, the, and then all of a sudden they look down and they've made something beautiful um, mm. and that they didn't know what they were capable of. And, and, and it's just like one step at a time. And at the same time, they're unpacking their story. And so we, um, we started the Mercy Workshop uh, with that in mind, just to be able to give them uh, a, an honored job. They, they just want to feed their families. And so mm-hmm. in this way, they can feed their families, but they can look their children in the eye and say, I, I make beautiful things. I'm an artisan. I make beautiful things with, um, and, and that's how I bring food on the table. And so, and they, and they're, they're not worried that their daughters are going to uh, end up on the, on the streets because they've broken that cycle. So we're thankful for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just incredible. And I've had the privilege of actually being with you on those streets and, and the opportunity to um, partner with you in this, which we'll talk about a little bit here as, uh, as we see how things came together. Uh, but I think that's, that's uh, just incredible as God has given you such a passion and we're watching women literally be rescued from just some of the most degradating things in the mm-hmm. whole world and there's healing and there's yes. hope yeah and there's a future and there's stability and there's really it's you're helping these women get rooted you know in so many areas of their life so here we are right back to this concept of just being able to get stable again and and, and to be able to thrive right and getting them to understand that we we have the strength to do what we do and we have the provision to do what we do because of what the Lord has given us and getting them to understand that that's where the foundation is. And, um, but as we're, as we're packing it, you know, as we're packing it up, we're, we're just thankful for, um, 
for that for that opportunity to to yeah. serve them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you've come. You you mentioned that you've come down to the Dominican Republic um, on several different occasions. How was your first trip? I mean, you were welcome with open arms, right? Um, <laughs> right? Isn't that yeah. how it how it happened? Yeah, yeah we we say if this, I remember correctly. Yeah, we say this jokingly because uh, yeah, you invited me to the Dominican for the first time, and uh, I was speaking in the U.S. mostly in the U.S. ministry, and then all of a sudden I get this invitation to come to the Caribbean. Um, you know, probably 75% from your mother and about 25% from you. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and what was funny at the time was because I just didn't know this, but like you had been, you were getting a lot of heat to ask me to come down. And so therefore you just were like, fine, I don't want her to come down because too many people want me to come down. (laughs) Yes. That's what happened. We've had several of your students have been either missionaries or come on visits or interns and everybody was Reba Bowman, Reba Bowman. And I'm like, well, the more people tell me to do something, the less I really want to do it. And right. so that's another thing. So, but you came down, but we had been doing a women's conference yeah. and mom was like, Reba would be perfect for this. And that was right at the beginning of the mercy ministry. So I think it's really, it was the Lord. Um, it was. Yeah, it so. really was. Yeah. So I came down and, and it was so funny because, um, you know, you were like, you know, um, you're here, it's going to be great, but I'm not going to like you or something like that. It was hysterically <laughs> funny and you did it in your sarcastic way. And I just, but I, it was really funny for me. Cause I'm thinking, I think this girl is serious and she is going to like me before this trip is over with. So, uh, anyway, but we, and the Lord just kind of knit, you know, the Lord kind of knit our hearts. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, during that trip and what I was so blown away with Allie is because, you know, here in the United States, as a woman, you hear terms and this was you know, this was almost 10 years ago. So, I mean, we're, we're trafficking was, was a word, but not nearly the, the focal point that it has become in the last decade. Um, and so, you know, you'd hear terms like trafficking and you get this concept of what you think it is. Um, and you think it's just these five or six women somewhere around the globe that are really making poor choices with their life. And, um, you know, if they could just get their head around this, they could come out of it. You know, it, it's really wrong thinking in every way. So to go down to the Dominican Republic for the first time and to go into your conference and to see women there. So women that are from all different kinds of churches that are there. And then all of a sudden, safe house leaders and all these women who've been rescued are there. And you can't tell one woman from the other. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing. Um, And then to find out, you know, as a speaker, you letting me know, hey, look, a lot of these women have been rescued. These are their stories. Um, This is a little of their background. And uh, spending that time there uh, with you and on the ground uh, and then going, you took me to visit some other places on the island uh, that were also ministering and also doing things. And it was the, it was the start for Dare for More. Uh, God would do a bunch of things after this to really show us what we were, how we were supposed to step into the global ministry of, of ministering to women. Um, but it was the catalyst that launched us really into what we, what, which is a huge part of our ministry right now, which is um, not just speaking to women in the United States, but also partnering globally uh, with organizations just like yours in order to come alongside and help rescue and bring restoration to women and bring hope and healing uh, to women and little girls who, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't speak into their life, Mm -hmm. this cycle is going to continue. Right. And I think one of the things that is so fascinating about the way you serve um, is you are kind of a bridge from American women who are in church and don't have 
don't don't really have a, a perspective on maybe global the the global plight of what a woman is because everybody talks about when I say, when I talk about a woman's perspective I'm talking about my perspective as a woman but you know and mm-hmm. I don't think and and what your ministry I think has done in the last ten years has been open women's eyes to what other women across the globe are really are really dealing with and the vulnerabilities that they have and women and children um, are suffering in different ways at, at different points in different seasons. Um, and so I think that's one of the things as a bridge, you're kind of bridging that those, um, what we would consider church ladies, you know, but also yeah. get opening their eyes to wait, I'm, I'm a church lady, but there's, there's some church ladies on the other side of the country that look completely different and they're struggling with different vulnerabilities. And, and here's how I, I would like to help. And I think that's fascinating. Why did you choose though, the phrase for your, for your ministry title, dare for more? What, um, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was really what I wanted women to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was um, in two ways. One, I felt like as many believers, we, we kind of put God in such a small box. And um, we serve this, this you know, all-powerful, um, all-knowing, almighty, great God who put the universe in place. And I mean, you know, and we, this, is who our, this is who our Heavenly Father is. And then, you know, we're over here acting as if, we don't, that's not who we serve. So, you know, incredible. Um, and then on the other side of that, we have, um, we need to dare for more from ourselves. Mm -hmm. I I think it's just too easy for us to just say, oh, well, you know, um, you know, we, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I I I go to church on Sunday. I have a Bible study during the week. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing what I need to do. There's no, you know, you know, what do you want your life to look like? Well, I want it to be a 10. How many people really say that? I mean, I I talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, if it's a five, I'm really happy, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, no, no, more, more. Yeah. And so I think, you know, Jesus died to give us that abundant life. John 10, 10. It's our theme verse. Um, The devil comes to kill, still destroy. But God says, I've come to give you life and you have it abundantly. I believe if that's the promise, let's grab it. Yeah. So that's, that's where dare for more came from. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. All right. Well, this has been fun uh, just to kind of maybe um, just to kind of give everybody a little bit about who we are. And uh, man, I think it's it's getting close. Our time is running out. So I think it's uh, it's getting close for us to just wrap this thing up here. Well, this has been so much fun today. It's our first podcast and this has been really great. But um, we're going to have to wrap this thing up, Allie. So as we do that today, thinking about what people can look for ahead in the future, we're going to have guests on here. We're going to have people come on and talk to us. And uh, we're going to have people share what it looks like to be rooted deep. What are some of the challenges of that in life? Um, I believe this is going to be a super practical podcast that's really going to help you get equipped to have a life that's anchored and stable. And one of the things that we kept talking about is there are going to be people that we're talking to during this time. And even us in our ministries have gone through seasons of difficulty, but it's always with the hope and the the desire to to leave encouraged or uplifted mm-hmm. as we're talking about these tools that we can that we we can use and, and and be equipped for those seasons of difficulty or for those seasons of joy. And how do we make sure we're staying we're staying uh, rooted deeply? And so that's, that's our, that's our goal. That's our, um, that's our objective here is to stay uplifted and encouraged at the same time. So. No, absolutely. So we hope you'll join us again. 
Um, and we hope that, you know, if you're looking for something to encourage your life, to equip your life, uh, hopefully uh, uh, to give you an uplifted and exciting part of your day, um, man, we hope you'll join us again on Rooted Deep. But thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.